I want to talk about um, today as a tag to our text, the power of a Christ-centered single life. The power. Somebody say power. Power Power of a Christ-centered single life. Let's pray. Living God, we thank you um, for your mercy on all believers, on all believers, on every single one of the believers of God in Jesus Christ all over this room. And God, I'm praying today that you would shower down your blessings today and, 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 and pulsate even in the spirit of those believed to track with you, to track with your heart and track with your mind and track with your commitment uh, to helping uh, them to live the life that you've called us to live as believers, Lord God. I pray that you would deal with strongholds in the mindsets of, uh, of singles and that today you would replant in the place of it an altar to you, Lord God, because I, 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 I'm, I'm praying today that you would shatter false dreams and that you would begin to interrupt deceptions and you will, you, you, you will rebuke and stay the enemy in the lives of singles, Lord God. And, and, and in order for your word to go forth in the way for Christian singles uh, to see their life in light of Christ and his power and them not being substandard citizens of the kingdom, there has to be power from heaven that's sent, that rewrites the programming and the software that has been plastered on their souls and even by the church in a way that we need to repent of, God. And so, God, I just pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ for your strength and for your grace and that hearts would open and ju- just, just like um, uh, on the parable of the soils talk about the one that receives uh, and, 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 and not only receives but multiplies fruit. May you see that fruit. May you get the fruit out of every single's life in this place that you've ordained and that you assigned for them to, uh, uh, to receive and to execute. And may it all be to your glory. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. Help us not to be hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, but doers of your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, I did a, I did a Google search on, I just put in Christian singles. And um, I, I put it in just to see what would come up. And all the hot links that came up, the first minimum 10 to 20 tabs were interesting to me because as I looked at, I didn't even have to click on the sites because you can sort of see the first paragraph of the, 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 the primary referent or topic that's going to be kind of talked about based on what you put in the Google search engine. And the thing that I saw that came up, I saw ChristianMingles.com, which I know that several of y'all have been on there, and we're on there this morning before you came to church. Um, amen, and shame the devil. Uh, I ain't mad at you. But I noticed that there in Christian single conversation, there's almost this preoccupation with even how married people view singles and the way the church, even pastors and leaders, view singles, it, it seems to almost necessitate that when you talk about singles, you have to talk about marriage. And, and, and what, what has happened in the body of Christ, I believe, 
is that we've made singles, me included, at times seem like second-class citizens of the kingdom. And, and, and almost your, your life, almost promotion-wise in the church and abroad, is all, you're almost promoted to see um, um, uh, uh, what, what's wrong with you. Why aren't you married yet? Have some old, older cousins. They're about in their mid-50s, and they're beautiful and handsome folk, right? And people automatically, uh, 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 because they've never been married, judge their sexual orientation just because they've never been married. And so men are seem to be on the down low and women seem to have issues. But, but, but it's possible to be single and just be okay. I ain't gonna get no help right there, but that's okay. It, it's, it's possible that you're not waiting on anybody but the Lord. Yeah, and, 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 and not waiting on the Lord to get a spouse, but just waiting on the Lord because he's a good God. And so I want to serve notice to the devil in your life that your life is valuable just because you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And so, and so what we want to do is we want to today, we want to tear down the stronghold of believing that singleness, even divorced singles... We don't talk about that in the church, but even divorced singles, no matter whether your divorce was biblical or unbiblical, your life is valuable. Amen. And God has purpose for it still, for the single moms under the sound of my voice. If you're having baby daddy drama, it's all right. God still has purpose for your life. Y'all ain't going to talk back to me. That's okay. For the single dads in your life, uh, your life is still valuable. We have to stop uh, slaying singles of different broken backgrounds on the altar of our legalism. And so Paul, in his boldness, he, it's almost like Paul's at a buffet and he's loosening his belt. You know how you go to the buffet, you know your pants are already tight, but you loosen the belt because you're about to get your eat ornicus, right? Um, 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 you, uh, um, it's almost like Paul is like, I've been waiting for the Holy Spirit to just let me. He, he even tell you right here, he's under the inspiration of the Spirit because he said at the end, I do have the Spirit of God. In other words, I'm writing this under the Spirit of God. But at the beginning, he said, I ain't commanding y'all something. But the Holy Spirit that gave me some freedom because I get the, I had to write on marriage a whole lot. Now in this text, I'm going to write on what I am single. Now you got to understand, Paul was planting churches and, and, and he was beat up looking because he got his behind whooped a whole lot. He'd been stoned. He'd been dragged out of the city. So he was planting churches and he knew nobody wasn't going to holler at him. You know what I'm saying? And he just, that's just helped his gift on, to be what it was. And so he begins writing in a powerful way in this section on the power of a Christ-centered single life. Christ-centered single life, not just a single life. Now, not that type of singleness where you say, where, where, where the women celebrate their femininity. That's not what this passage is about. Where we, we all single, let's go out, have some drinks, let's have some martinis and some, and some stuff, and let's go to happy hour, and we're going to get on Instagram, and we're going to let all the dudes know what they missing right here. This is what you missing right here. You... Y'all know I'm telling the truth. So even in your getting together to celebrate your singleness is to tell men something. Men don't do, men don't celebrate singleness. They, 
I don't even know what facts. I don't even know what parallels that. You know, women go. We gonna celebrate us. We gonna have flowers and we gonna have you know women things for our stuff, right? That's what y'all do. Girls, girls' night out, but it always ends up talking about. I ain't even gotta be a fly on the wall. Almost ends up somebody starts crying because they lonely because they ain't got a boyfriend. <laughs> We here for you, girl. We, it's, it's us. It's just us. I know, I know, girl. I'm still getting over him. And you know, I mean, am I, ladies, am I telling the truth? I ain't even been there. I just know that's where it ends. All right? And so I got one point and one point. That's not the singleness I'm talking about. So I got one point and one point only. One point and one point only. Singles, singles are vitally equal citizens and contributors to God's kingdom. That's my point. Let me say that one more time. Uh, 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 singles are vital, vitally equal citizens and contributors to God's kingdom. Somebody should say amen right there. Amen. amen. And so Paul goes into this section and he begins addressing several people. Now, as he begins this section, when he talks to the betrothed, which he said, he said, now I want to talk to single people. Now, he starts off betrothed because betrothed is engagement, and engagement meant something different in their particular day, but the word can be translated virgin or single here. And so, technically, he begins talking to the female singles. He's going to be talking to the dudes trying to holler at the single females in this passage, and he's going to talk to the daddies of the single females. Let me just parenthetically give you something for free. Whenever a single man wanted to holler at a single woman, he had to talk to her dad before he talked to her. That's for free. And so what happened is, is Paul is letting the father know some things about appreciating her singleness. Because a lot of times fathers wanted that, wanted that uh, bride price. You got, you got, I mean, you got money. Daughters were, you got loot as a father, you know what I'm saying, when your daughter got married to the right dude, you know what I'm saying? So the dude's trying to get their money right, you know, because the married woman, you couldn't just be jobless back then. Um, you couldn't have nothing in place. You know, you had to have loot or you had to build the economy of your household before you brought somebody into your economy, all right? Uh, uh, but, 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 but here, Paul begins in a powerful way exalting a powerful, literally just a, just a really, really powerful voice. To sing. So, so that they marry people, you're going to get a little something, something, but this is for our single people. He says, he says, I have no command from the Lord. He said, I'm not winging it either. He said, he said, basically, God has given me a grace to just talk to you about some preferences that I have and my experience as a believing leader and apostle to the church and remember in verse 24, he says, this is, this is what I say to all the churches. This isn't something special that I just have for Corinth. He says, but I give my judgment as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is trustworthy. He says, I think in the present, in the, in the view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he or she is. So now he's reinforcing the principle of assignment. Somebody say assignment. He's reinforcing the principle 
of verses 17 through 24, even back up to verse 14 and some of the earlier verses, like verse 7, I believe, or verse 10, where he begins talking about the place and assignment of God's people. And, um, um, there are three things that's going on now. You've got to recognize these things that's going on is specific to what the Corinthians were dealing with, but out of it, we get a great theology of singleness from this. What was going on in that day? The present distress, people argue about which three it was. It really doesn't matter, but I'll explain them for those of my, my Bible geeks. I'll explain them to you real quick. One, one of the things that they thought was going on uh, uh, was, was persecution. Somebody say persecution. They believe, they believe that there was so much, which it was, so much persecution going on. Paul begins to say, those of you who are engaged... And those of you who are not married, I, you, you may want to wisely chill out on getting married because when you have to be responsible for someone else's life, it will squelch your level of devotion to the Lord in the midst of that commitment to Christ in the midst of persecution. For example, if somebody snatched your wife or somebody snatched your husband and began to persecute them, that will cause great distress to your heart. What if mom and dad were martyrs of the Christian faith? and their children were left fatherless. Paul has all of those things. He said, in light of the present distress, he said, this can place more distress on the family. So it's good that for a temporary period of time, we stop doing family as a massive movement. He said, I'm not saying this as a command. I'm just giving what, what, what I think would possibly be best, but I still have the Spirit of God. So I'm speaking from the Spirit of God of the distress that can happen to you in marriage. In other words, because your cares change when you get married. Then he says, uh, uh, it also could, could, could also be the perversions of the day. All of the rampant things that we've talked about. Stick with me, we're just building a foundation. All the different perversions, the sexual perversions of the day doesn't just mean utilize marriage as an outlet for sexual desires. He says that's not the only option. He says the other option is to walk in purity and be a light in the midst of the perversions. Do, 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 you, do, you know, do you know you can be a witness single as a person who's okay with being single and not having sex with somebody? Listen, you can be okay not holding nobody's hand, giving nobody a kiss, uh, sending pokes, if anybody still does that, on Facebook. If a dude, Lord have mercy, that's another story. Um, don't send me a poke ever again, dudes. That just goes out to everybody. Um, don't ever do that. Um, that. That don't even sound right. Um, uh, in, in, in other words, in the midst of the perversions, you can, have, you, you can have a solid single life and God sustain you in the midst of a culture that exalts sex and self-gratification above that of commitment to Jesus Christ. I'm going to keep going. And, 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 then, and then out of that, it's possibly a famine in that particular time. Famine, for those of you who don't know what a famine is, it means a shortage of food. Because of that shortage, taking on the economic responsibility of a household would have been a challenge. But Paul uses this unique issue going on to maximize and to honor and to glorify God and what it means to be single. Verse 27, he said, but he has to qualify for the immature people. You know, every time you have an immature person in the church, because they'll take stuff too far. So guess what he says? He said, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Basically, he had to tell the immature people, he said, oh, Paul said we maximize our life as singles, baby. You know, we've been having some issues anyway. I just think we should just call it quits right now. You know what I'm saying? 
And so let's fall back from the marriage because we can glorify God better apart. So you go your way and I go my way. For the immature people, don't, listen, for the married people here that you've been trying to figure out a way, you don't maximize your life by getting rid of your spouse. You maximize your life now because you're already married. You can't say I'm right to the wrong person. You should have thought of that before you got married. Now that you're married, you're married to the right person, and God has to make the wrong decision, the right decision, because you're in the right relationship, because you made a wrong decision, but you got the right God that can take care of you, even in the midst of that frustration. I'm going to keep moving. He said, are you free from a wife? <laughs> he said, are you free from He said, are you single? He said, Stop seeking. Don't, don't even seek to be married. He said, don't seek a wife. In other words, he's, he's, he's challenging the singles to fall back. Now he's going to begin rooting them biblically and what that means and why he says that. He said, but if, he said, but if you marry, he said, you have not sinned. Okay? He said, and if betrothed, I need that timer up if you can. He says, if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. He said, yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. In, in other words, he said, he said, in marriage, thank you. He said, in marriage, he said, you're going to have some stuff to think about that you don't have to think about in singleness. And, and, he, and he says, because of that, I want to help you out in relation to that. So he points them eschatologically. He points them to a big picture in verse 29. He says, this is what I mean. Now he starts laying it out. Brothers, that means both brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown very short. So what he's saying is, is that when Christ came, he's not talking about a preterist view of, of eschatology for those of you who know what I'm talking about. A few of you know. He's not talking about that. The time being cut short is points to the fact that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and was raised up from the grave, it cosmically set things in a brand new motion. When Christ died on the cross and got up from the grave, it changed how we view time. And so now everything in our life must be viewed through a return of Christ's lens. That means everything in your life needs to be set up for who's coming over. Okay, 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 okay. You, 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 have, a, you, have, a, you have a new somebody was coming over to your house and, 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 and they're not there yet. But what you begin to do, you start cleaning up, you start cleaning stuff. You, you ain't dust in 12 years. But, but because of who they are, you start getting things in order, not because it's going to break up the relationship, but you just want some things nicely in place that, that, that influences you in relation to their coming. In other words, the fact that they're coming influences how you deal with the now. That's what Paul is trying to help them to do. He's trying to help them to put on eschatological glasses that would help them to view, to view their life today based on the life that Christ is coming to bring. And what's so powerful about Christ is Christ was the ultimate single. Christ was a single man dying as a single and maximized his life for the glory of all of us because he knew that the time was going to be short once his time was up and he went and ascended to heaven. And so what we must recognize, believers in Christ, is beloved, we got to begin to live our lives and reflect our lives in light of the coming of Jesus Christ, not just in our own here and now. Because we don't want to focus just on now. We want to focus on, we want our now to be influenced by the imminent return of Christ. He can come back any day. And if you're thinking about everybody else and everything else in your life that you want in your life and you're preoccupied by him and you're preoccupied by her and you're preoccupied 
occupied by this opportunity, which he's going to talk about in a second. You miss out on the fact that your eternal life doesn't start when you die or when Christ returns. Your eternal life starts when you're born again. When you recognize that when you're born again, you're already living eternal life. Already. So now you're living in light of not just Christ's return, but you're living in light of a new birth. And so when we look at that and when we look at that reality, we keep our eyes, we keep one eye, one eye. We're supposed to be cross-eyed, all of us. Christians are to be cock-eyed people. We're supposed to keep one eye on heaven and one eye on the earth. That's why the Bible says, keep your mind. You listen, do you know that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places? Let, your mind, let this mind be in you, the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. Lift, put your mind on things above. So many of y'all as singles got y'all stuff on the below, below the belt. I want you to think about above the clouds. I, I want you to begin to say, I'm gonna, how can I put my mind on things above? Well, because, because you have the strength through Christ to be able to do it. That's why he said, keep your mind on things above where Christ is seated. That means Christ being at the right hand of God the Father, chilling at his majesty, one day we're going to rule with him. That should rule your mind. What happens is when that doesn't rule your mind, you let everything else be your Lord. If Christ isn't ruling your mind, if he isn't ruling your heart, if he's not ruling your feet, if he's not ruling your life, something else is. So Paul gives some examples. He says, from now on, he gives one of those maxim statements like Jesus likes to give. He says, from now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. This is crazy. Watch what he says. He says, he says that those who mourn, and those who mourn as those who were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not even rejoicing. <laughs> And those who, are buy, who buy as though they had no goods and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Well, what, what is he saying right here? Well, what is he saying? Is he saying ignore marriage? Is he saying don't mourn? The Bible says do all of these things. But he's giving us a statement like Jesus. He said, unless you hate mother, father... In relation to me, you can't be my disciples. What he's saying is, is he's even challenging the Christian marriage to not center their marriage on their marriage. See, so many of us got safe lives. Our lives are built around being safe and in some type of holy huddle. But God didn't call us to safety. I'm going to move here to keep my family safe. They shooting people out there too. Y'all ain't going to talk back. You can, can't say amen. Say, oh, listen, you, I ain't trying to hate on you building your family a good life, but don't let your life be good and not godly. He gives singleness as the example of what it means to be a risk taker. You're supposed to be a risk taker. You're not calculated. I'm not talking about not making plans based on Proverbs 16. Wipe it out. That's not what I'm talking about. Don't use a lack of planning as a way to say, well, see, you're, not, you're just being spiritual. No, it's both planning and prayer. Oh, you ain't going to talk back to me. You, you need to, some of y'all, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, your life needs to be lived on the edge of Christianity. 
Christianity calls you to a high form of life. That's why he's giving this sequanon, this passage. He said, if you marry, act like you ain't married. In other words, you and your wife hold hands, make decisions based on the kingdom, not just your comforts. But guess who inspires us to live that way? Singles. Y'all are supposed to be inspiring us. You're too busy coveting where we are. You don't know what it's like where we at. You don't even know. You don't even know. You, don't even know. you all up in this. Listen, you don't let the Facebook post fool you. Listen, 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 listen. People, listen, husbands and wives cussing each other out. They say, let's take a selfie. Listen, you're supposed to inspire us to the saga of Christian life. And you're crying all the time and holding the pillows. God ain't got no thighs to hold. God ain't got no love. God ain't, no, 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 no. You should be up at night, tears rolling down your face, praying to the living God, saying, I don't know why I can't go to sleep. I don't know why I'm staying up, but the Holy Ghost woke me up out of my sleep. Maybe I should be praying right now. Let me, let, let me leave the sleeping medicine alone. It's not, I don't have insomnia. I have a conviction in my spirit that I should be praying and asking God for something I can't see. A saga I haven't seen yet. A place that he wants me to go. A life that needs changing. There's some assignments that you're preoccupied with not having because you're concerned about you and not the glory of the king. He goes, and he said, those who mourn as though they weren't. He said, don't let your pain of a loss make you forget about the eschaton. He said, act like you ain't even mourning. He said, those who rejoice, and if you're rejoicing in a victory now, don't let a current victory make you forget about the king who's coming back in victory. Talks about... He said, and deal with the world is, he said, those who spend money and do economic business and stewarding things. He said, don't you work, he said, don't you be up on your IRAs so big, your Roths and all of those different things where you build for that future and don't recognize that there's a huge, am I telling you not to do retirement? I'm not saying that. He's just saying, don't let your human retirement not reflect an eternal rest. Yeah. Wants to help us, says in verse 32, he said, I want you to be free from anxieties. Now, now he's going to use this on two sides, a two-sided coin. One minute he's going to say, I don't want you to have anxiety. Next minute he's going to say, I want you to have anxieties. Watch what he says. I want you to be free from anxieties. Anxieties, listen, are things that you worry about that preoccupy you from the glory of Christ. That means whatever you're worried about is what you worship. Okay? Well, whatever keeps you up at night is what you worship. Did you hear me today? So that's why the Bible says be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication. Jesus says every day is enough trouble of his own. He says, so don't be worrying about tomorrow. He says, you got to live for the day because you don't know when I'm coming back. Some of y'all always worried. Some of y'all losing sleep, got bags under your eyes. You ain't losing sleep about the gospel. You losing sleep about simple stuff that God took care of before, and you acting like he ain't never done it before, and now you worrying like he ain't never done it before. But if he did it before, he can do it again. 
says the unmarried man, listen to this, is anxious uh-oh, about the things of the Lord. It's going to say that about the woman next. An unmarried woman is anxious. That means you're preoccupied with the Lord. That means sometimes you need to walk in church and not be thinking who could be. Let me, let me okay. Let me, let me say something. Let me say something. Let me say something. You know how these singles ministry, it's supposed to be the singles ministry. Singles ministries mostly exist not for Bible study, but for body study. Y'all ain't going to talk back to me, but that's okay. Some of y'all in. Dad, look at her, man. Dad, man. Let me see what her mom looked like on Facebook. What her mom looked like. How old is her mom? Oh, she's going to look like that. Boom, I'm going to put her name check off first. Let me look around. Oh, look at Shorty. Wow. Doom, doom, doom. Doom, doom, doom. What kind of car he got? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Where he come from? Where he come from? Where he come from? He got a degree. And he using it. Oh, my good. Oh, my. And, and what you do is you spend all of your time pre- preaching, going forth, Holy Ghost moving, and your mind ain't been there. Your mind is on who could be on the squad versus who drafted you already on a squad. Don't you miss, listen, let me tell you something. Don't you miss out on your life by worrying about a life God hasn't given you. And let me just tell you something. All of y'all ain't getting married. All of y'all ain't getting married. That's true stats. Everybody in here is not going to get married. Now, you can either be ticked with the Lord or seek the Lord. Your life isn't defined by marriage. The Bible says you should be worrying about the things of the Lord. Then, then, he, then he adds a statement, how to please him. Now, Christ has already pleased him, but we're walking in Christ's pleasure. The single life is supposed to be consumed with walking in Christ's pleasure that he already pleased him in. That means you should be preoccupied in, does this please the Lord? It's how I'm living my life and how I'm getting this degree and how I'm paying my bills and how I'm serving the church and how I'm serving couples and how I'm living out my life for the glory. Am I pleasing him? Your life's an aroma. Aroma, it doesn't, your aroma doesn't start when you get married. Take marriage off the table as what defines you. Put Christ on the table as who defines you. So interesting and so crazy about these things is because even in the conversation of same-sex marriage, it's interesting that the first apologetic that Christians run to for Christian singles, I mean, Christian, uh, same-sex marriage, as an apologetic, it's Christian marriage. When, when that's a reductionistic philosophy of apologetics. Because you're reducing the antithesis to same-sex marriage as Christian man-woman marriage. That's wrong. That's not the full scope. It's a part of the scope, but not the full scope. Because even some of those people that are in same-sex attraction may become a believer and not get married, and you confuse them if you present the alternative of marriage as the antithesis to same-sex marriage. So what should you do? You should point them first to Christ as the center of who makes your identity and defines your identity. That's where you start. If you start with an institution versus a relationship with Christ, then you're not preaching the gospel. You're preaching a state of life. 
Are you tracking with me? So what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to proclaim the excellencies of him who defines our identity. The problem with the church is we find our identity in our relationship with one another first versus our relationship with him. If you start with a relationship with him who defines the relationship, he'll deal with the same-sex attraction issues. When they come into the body and see singles as another outlet for how they honor and live out their identity, it's not just marriage that's an option. It's, it's single monogamous commitment to Jesus Christ that's an option too. We focus in on sex, sexual satisfaction as the means of that. But let me just tell you something, family. Singles, it's time to say game over. He says in here in a phenomenal way that you should be maximizing your life in a strange and crazy way above that of the normal person. That means that God has steroided your soul with a commitment in your relationship with him that is different than, your, than people in marriage. That means in areas like theology, singles should be leading. Men and women. Time that married people can't spend studying. Theology. And apologetics and developing the Christian mind and resourcing the body of Christ. You should be murdering it for his glory. A divorcee, divorcee, whether you agree with him or not, a divorcee named Charles Ryrie, after his divorce, spent the better part of the last part of his life building a theological grid for the body of Christ and writing, helping pastors work theologically through issues that are a challenge. But it's not just theology and ministry, it's also politics. Whether you like her or not, and whether you, I'm not Republican or Democrat, I'm, I'm theocratic, but, um, but Condoleezza Rice, whether you like her or not, is a Christian. And she, Christianity Today did a, did, a, did, a, did a story on her, and she views, listen, she views her political engagement from a biblical standpoint. And she's 60 years old and never been married. You can maximize your life for the glory of Jesus Christ. You can maximize your life. Business. Some, of, some married people can't spend the ungodly hours in business that you can. And you can rock out for Jesus by supporting mission and, and, and innovating all different types of ways. We got Christian engineers that can do the same thing. Christian, if one Christian engineer is, 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 is utilizing his engineering philosophy to help build a water outlets in uncharted areas all over the globe and sending Christian missionaries and helping plant churches. And he's a single man that views his singleness as a gateway for God's glory and ministry. Listen, I'm just trying to let you know today that some of you are wasting your time. Dudes, you need to spend less time on video games and you need to spend some time engaging in what God wants you to do. Some of you ladies need to spend less time in the mirror trying to look good for somebody and look good in your soul for the glory of God to maximize your commitment. Stop just always trying to be found. You, you were lost and now you're found. What you going to do with the God who found you? God has found you and he saw, he did all of that to woo you. If one more sister tell me, I know the Lord is my husband. And you know how you're saying that? Don't tell me no more about God being enough. That's what I hear when I say that. 
Had one sister come to me and say, I know the law of my husband. I know the verse. But it was like, don't get mad at me. Don't get me. Listen, 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 listen. You're, listen, you, you, each one of you college students, how are you thinking about your trade for the kingdom? You entrepreneurs off the block, they go to trade school and all of these. How are you maximizing it for the glory of Christ? Huh? Single mom, you ain't got to look for another dude to take care of your kids. God got you. Ask Hagar. Hagar went out by herself after Abraham kicked her out of his house. Kicked her out, he did. And when she went out, she cried to the Lord. And the Lord appeared to a single woman with a crying baby in the wilderness and said, I'm going to take care of everything. See, y'all ain't listening to me today. See, many of you are waiting on a Savior when God has already done it in Jesus Christ. Until you get to the point where he is enough. Listen, you, 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 got, you got Leah. Leah was abandoned by, by, by her husband. Abandoned. Over and over and over again. And she finally got to the point where she named her child Judah. Now, in order to understand what Judah, uh, what, why she named him Judah, she got to the point where she stopped naming her sons to get her husband's attention. She, began, she named him Judah because Judah means praise the Lord. In other words, whether you like me or not, whether you give me the affection that I want or not, what I'm going to do is I'm going to center my life on praising the Lord. Listen, men and women, you need to not let where you are be where you are. You need to let where you are be found in who he is. When you find out who you are based on who he is, everything in your life, everything in your life, everything in your life will change. You get out there, you do damage to planet Earth. Get on your knees. Start wreaking havoc for the glory of Christ. There are good works waiting for you that God created before the foundation of the earth that has your name on it, not for you. Not that hyper-charismatic uh, triumphalism where God got a blessing and my name is on it and I'm going to snatch it down. No, your blessing isn't to be snatched down. It's already here waiting on you and to be used not for you, but you as a conduit for somebody else. Time out for selfish Christianity. Forget about your season. The cross and the resurrection already inaugurated a new season. Everybody want their own individual. It's my time and all of that bull. That's a bunch of crock. Because all that does is this me-centered Christianity that makes you think that blessings are about you and not the blesser. You better recognize that you were made for the Lord. You were made for him. Let go. Let go. Let go and say, God, I'm desperate for you. You need to put your head in. You need to say, God, I don't even know how to even get in this place that pastor's preaching about. I am so discontented with the life that you've given me. Help me to get in contact with the life that you give. I'm desperate for you, Lord. Like a deer pants after the water. So does my soul. I, I don't even know if I'm there yet, but I want to say that I want, I want it to pet after you. Your issue, singles, is not a singleness issue. It's a devotion to Jesus issue. And listen, it's not a one-time fix. 
Let me, let me just, I'm going to just tell you the truth about Christianity, and I'm going to get out your way. It's not a one-time fix. You have to fight for your intimacy. It's not you're going to have a revival, and you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and speaking tongues, and everything going to be all right. I don't know any Christian. There's no promise in the Bible like that. When you start living godly like I'm talking about, your life gets worse. Because the devil don't like people whose hearts are fully devoted to God. That's why the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, it says, The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth to give strong support to one whose heart is fully his. Where's your heart at? Where's your heart at? Stop punking out on the Christian life that he's given you. Huh? You're more than where you are. You're more than a selfie. You're more than a post. You're more than a tweet. You're more than an Instagram pic. Listen, God has already been doing social media when he wrote the 66 books of the Bible. The 66 books of the Bible have a lot of posts and a lot of selfies of the living God. If you would just get into his selfies and you can Facebook stalk him right here. He don't mind if you stalk him. You can't push a like button in here but you can't engraft what you like right inside of here. And that's the greatest like. You'll be the only one to notice you liked it. There won't be a line of people who liked it. You'll be able to see who liked it. It will be between you and the living God that you liked it, and now it's in your soul. Now it's a part of your matrix, and you're going to walk different. You're going to talk different. You're going to have desires that don't get met, and you're going to have to seek the Lord over and over and over again about wanting what he hasn't given, and you have to again find out again that he's enough. Oh, your Christian life is filled with opportunities to learn that Christ is enough. I'm about to sit down. I'm trying to stop. I got one minute. I'm just trying to help us, help us to recognize that when he said to tell us die, it is finished. He satisfied him. Surely he bore on the cross our griefs and our infirmities and carried away our diseases. One of the things that the gospel does is it is our expiation. It takes away the guilt of what we want. Help us to embrace what God wants us to want. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, maybe there's someone here that hasn't trusted in the fact that Christ's death is sufficient. It's sufficient for them to take them from spiritual death to spiritual life. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Lord, devotion to you and relationship with you is the most important thing in life. You saved us for a relationship. And it seems like the first thing and the greatest thing that we forget as believers is the first reason why you saved us. You said this is eternal life, that we would know you and your only son who you sent. And many times, God, that's the very thing we forget. We forget to talk to you. We forget to just check in with you and 
Just say, I love you. We forget to get in your word and we rush into our days and we rush into our lives like we don't need you. And God, there's so many people up here, they're feeling desolate and empty. Because what they've tried to seek their desires through and fulfill themselves through, they keep coming up short and they keep coming up empty. And that's a grace from you. You know you're a believer when you keep coming up empty on worldly things, bringing satisfaction. And that when you get in his presence and when you get with him and you begin formulating what it means to walk with him and live for him and for him to say, Lord, I want to be sold out to you. God, we want to be sold out to you. We want you to live. We want you to be our guiding light. I see women and men in different areas of life and different seasons of life. We pray for them. I see engaged couples up here, married couples up here, or people that are in relationships, and I see people that are all over the grid economically and ethnically, and God, I'm praying that you would touch them right where they are, God, to know that you and you alone are enough for their lives. God, in everything in their life today that you've that they've used to replace you with. Make it lose its savor. Make them, make them come up empty on its value. Make it no longer make them feel as high as it made them feel. Starve them. Box them in. Box them in. That the only place that they would find respite and that they would find comfort and they would find peace is in the secret place. And God, I'm praying for vision and plans and good works that you've ordained for them. Will you begin bringing it to fruition, God, where they are? Bring it to fruition. Open up their eyes to see the hope of the eschaton in the future as the way that points them to how they live right now. May our hearts and minds be stayed on Jesus every single day, that he would be the map, that he would be the GPS, that he would be the only signal that gets our attention and that gives us sense of development. Help us to lose our sense of control over things. <laughs> I don't know who I'm praying for right there, God, but Somebody here is a control freak. And they want to, and, and, and because they can't control their relationship with you, they pick things in their life that they can control. But God, being in a relationship with God is to be led, not to lead. And so, God, I pray that you would loose every circle, and I pray that you would rebuke the enemy, restore to them the joy of their salvation and their commitment to you and refresh them in every single area of their lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand. Praise in advance. <laughs>